0: Section 5 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 25, April twentieth, 1880. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 25, April twentieth, 1880. Section 5. The Blue Grotto by James B. Marshall. "'Did you ever see any blue-colored people?' asked Miss Bertha, aged ten, shortly after my introduction to that young lady at Naples. "'I was forced to confess that though my acquaintances had shaded from white to black and brown to red, I had never been fortunate enough to boast of a blue one. "'Oh, I saw most a hundred the other day,' she said triumphantly. "'Then did you see a silver-colored man?' A silver-colored man? Miss Bertha, dear, I have an idea that you have been to Fairyland. He was a real silver-colored man, said she very earnestly. I suppose he was the king of the Fairyland you went to? Oh, no, he wasn't. He was a big boatman. But it was just like Fairyland. It was splendid, really just splendid. It proved that dear little enthusiast had been a few days previous on a visit to the island of Capri to see the famous Blue Grotto, since which she had been startling people with her descriptions of blue folks in a silver man. Seeing that I couldn't have a better guide than Miss Bertha, the next morning we in a jovial party went on board of the tiny steamer that plies between Naples and the eighteen miles distant island of Capri, hollowed under the cliffs of which the Blue Grotto is situated. The Bay of Naples, you know, it's called the most beautiful in the world. And a sail across it is a lovely thing in itself. There are such glorious blue skies overhead and such clear blue waters underneath that the steamer appears to bear one through the air between two skies. Then close to Naples is seen that wonderful volcano Vesuvius which always a cloud of smoke curling lazily out of its crater. And besides the White House of Naples are so built on a hillside, the streets climbing to the top, that a few miles away that, too, is a handsome sight. Miss Bertha told me that they were the marble steps to the Giant's Palace, whose bird was carrying us to the enchanted island to show us the giant jewel room. Capri then looked like a distant lighthouse, merely a brown rock rising out of the sea. As we went bobbling over the waves, it grew higher and higher, which Miss Bertha explained was the correct thing for it to do. Until the steamer anchored a little distance from its cliffs, "'It rose straight up from the water to a dizzy height. "'A flock of little skiffs crowded around the steamer for the passengers, "'and Miss Bertha, taking charge of me, led me into one. "'But the grotto, where is it?' I asked, staring at the huge cliffs, "'straight at which our red sashed boatman was rowing us as if to destruction.' Skift after skift ahead of us seemed to be swallowed up in the cliffs in the most amazing way, and not an opening in the rocky wall to be seen. You mustn't be afraid, said my sweet little guide assuringly. It won't hurt. And she gave me her hand that, perhaps I shouldn't tell, trembled a little, and directly its mate stole my grasp. Lie down low, said our boatman, when the skiff was within a few feet of apparently smashing against the cliff. And shut your eyes tight, said Miss Bertha, screwing up her eyes so tight that she showed all her pretty white teeth in the funniest way. The skiff scratched and bumped on the rocks a few times, then floated clear. The bright sky was gone. The gulls flying about the cliffs were gone. The steamer was gone, and the cliffs themselves were gone. We had slipped under them, through a tiny opening, and were in the blue grotto. The blue roof rose high above us, and there was ample room within the grotto, for many times the numerous blue skiffs filled with blue-haired blue people, all dressed in blue clothes and breathing blue air. That is just the way we appeared. The water was lighter colored than the air, and when a boatman jumped out overboard, his every action being distinctly seen, he seemed to be flying in air and not diving in water. It gave one a weird, crawly feeling to see him, and when he came to the surface, it seemed to be the most natural thing for him to tumble back to us after capering around in the sky. Then he crawled out on a rock to allow the water to drain off his clothes. And then it was that Miss Bertha's promise of a silver man was made good. He stood there a moment, appearing like a burnished silver statue, and the trickling drops, as they fell from him, sparkled with silvery glitter. An oar splashed in the water, sent the drops flying into the air, to glimmer there in silver brightness a moment like a patch of the starry, milky way on a frosty night. "'Isn't it lovely?' said Bertha, clapping her hands joyfully. "'And you can get a whole handful of silver by just reaching for it, but you can't keep it.' She grasped the blue water as she spoke, and it escaped through her fingers in glittering drops, as if a handful of coins was melting in her palm. "'Whatever is held in the water assumes.' for the time, this silver color, and the blades of the oars shown as though the capri boatmen were so rich that they had made them of pure silver. For hundreds of years the grotto was known to exist somewhere under the cliffs of the island, but so small is the entrance that it was not rediscovered until this century. It cannot be entered except the sea around the island is very calm, And as all the beautiful effects are due to refraction of light, the bright midday sun should be shining without. End of section 5.